When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. No, 4-0 Capitals leading the Penguins. Injury notes from the NHL today. There are a few. Anze Kopitar unlikely to play for the Kings tomorrow against the Oilers. He's got an upper body problem. Of course, Gabbard still out from the World Cup. Steve Stamkos out indefinitely with a lateral meniscus tear. Torn meniscus for Taylor Hall of the Devils. He had surgery out three to four weeks. He has 12 points in 14 games for the Devils. Johnny Goudreau for the Flames had a goal last night against Minnesota, the only goal in the game, in fact, but he also fractured a finger. He had surgery today, so the Flames without their top gun for a little while. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. A couple of very special guests in studio. Kevin Carius joins us from Global Television every uh, Wednesday, and Tom Gazzola from Oilers TV is also here. Tom, thanks a lot for coming in, buddy. Hey, I love coming on your show, Reed. You know that. How come you're not on the road trip? I got I got time off. It's nice. One of you the, get time off mid-season. Yeah, it's kind How of refreshing. I, I know. How did you work that? I don't know. Talk to my boss, Mark Sampa. But uh, I'm not complaining. I was able to take care of a lot of things around the house today and catch up on some stuff and uh, sleep in for once. It was great. No well, complaints. you look particularly rested and well groomed today. <laughs> Reed, I try. Curious, how are you? Second best day of my life. What was the first? Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Captain Optimism. (laughs) He's looking forward to it. He's waiting for it. He's waiting for it. Probably retirement. That's what he's looking forward to. No, no. Well, I mean, hanging with a couple of big nuts like yourself, I mean, this is a big-time operation here. Yeah, well, we we really are. We really are big nuts. That's a a great way to put it. (laughs) Hey, I want to start off this, uh, this hour with what I started the show with. Did you guys see the Kate Upton tweet today? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, for people that missed it, Justin Verlander had a great season pitching, edged out in the AL Cy Young vote, just barely by Rick Porcello, and Kate Upton, his girlfriend. If you don't know who Kate Upton is, and you're listening to a sports show, A, I'm surprised, because she's a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, as well as a model of many oh, other things. Oh, I didn't things. know that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. She tweeted, hey, uh, MLB, I thought I was the only person allowed to blank Justin Verlander. Obviously, there's another word in there instead of blank. What two writers didn't have him on their ballot? Like, how about they're standing up for your man, eh? You know, uh, she probably could have used a different word there, though, just for no. the Twitterverse. Like, not a kiss? Good, not yeah. a good role model. Yeah. Um, but. I think she had to use it. Really? Well, that's it's. I think she's caused quite the firestorm for sure. But uh, I don't know. She's right. How could you not? How could he not be on a ballot? She's baseball's version of Giselle right now. Is she uh, not? What, what's Giselle Bunchen? Yeah, yeah, Tom Brady. They stand wife. by their men. Absolutely. He's a heck of a pitcher. Yeah, he's outstanding. 
And I he, saw him pitch against the Pirates a couple of years ago. Started at 97 miles per hour, finished the game at 104. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah. I swear it was, and he went. He's a true he complete like, game loss. He's a bit of a throwback pitcher, like when guys could actually throw complete games. Even though he, even he doesn't throw that many complete games, but I, I, I just, I just love that that she, that she chimed in like that, and I, I think it's hilarious that she used that language and that sort of a comparison, you know, rather than just being like, I can't believe you didn't vote. For, like I, I, I don't know. I love. It. She totally, <laughs> she totally jumped in there. And, Stirs the pot, doesn't yeah, it? I think it's great. Yeah, it's fun for the game, fun uh, for guys like us. Sorry, go ahead. No, you oh. look like you wanted to say no, something. No, no, no. Pensive. I mean, no, I'm not pensive. I just ran up the stairs here. <laughs> I feel like Kate Upton offended you. No, she didn't offend me. I could really <laughs> care less about Kate Upton. Although, there are some uh, really great pictures of her and Arnold Palmer when they did a photo shoot a couple of years back. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, for Golf Digest. You guys have to have a look at those. Uh, There's Arnold Palmer in the kind of waning years of his life and... Uh, he's kind of giving Kate Upton a bit of a lesson in, on, you know, how to, with her stance, with right. how she's holding a club. And, he must and have, you could just imagine the things that were going through his head. He must have <laughs> felt like he died and gone yes, to heaven before exactly. he actually yes. did pass away and go uh, to heaven. Um, guys, something happened today that I, that actually really irritated me. And if you listen to the show, you know I rarely get irritated. No, not you. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so the, the, the end of the Eskimos-Hamilton game, uh, there, it was somewhat uh, uh, controversial. Obviously, I'll just give the Coles notes. I'm sure most people know the play I'm talking about. Uh, Hamilton gets a completion. Odell Willis uh, hit Zach Kalaros after he delivered the ball. Hamilton challenged for roughing the passer. It was denied, and also Hamilton was flagged for holding on the play, which negated the completion, drove them back to second and 14. Next play is the interception. Edmonton gets a chip shot field goal to win the game. Clearly a, a pivotal call at a key time of, game, a time of the game. The CFL came out today with uh, with uh, with the announcement that, and this is, this is, I think, what bothered me about it. And Glenn Johnson is the, the senior vice president of football. And he's been a guest on this show. And he's always been very accessible and very good at explaining the rules. But I don't agree with how he handled this. Because he came out and said that these were, the, the quote was, very, very close calls. And then at the same time, he says that they made obvious mistakes, to paraphrase. That, that uh, the video replay should have called passenger, uh, roughing the passer given other calls that had been made during the season, and that also holding shouldn't have been called because the official didn't get a look at the whole play and it should have been called holding. And I think to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying these are very, very close calls, yet you're publicly throwing these guys under the bus that they got them wrong. I mean, to me, guys making judgment calls on close calls is exactly why we have officials and which is exactly in my mind why they now video replay there is is there in my mind to correct obvious misses these were not obvious misses and i i don't like the way the cfl handled this i think it's uh, comical i can't disagree with anything you said it's 12 frames of video um from when the ball left claris's hand to when uh contact was made from odell willis plus he's moving he's not in a pocket he's a ball carrier at that point I don't know why, and again, and why on a Wednesday? Why are we doing this three days after the game? Uh, so who from Hamilton called the CFL and said they were upset because there's no one 
no one really cares about this three days later. If you want to make a big stink of it, make a big stink of it after the game, and then maybe there's some justification to what you're saying. I couldn't disagree more again with how the CFL handled this. It just makes no sense again. The video review this year has been tedious, and it's been hard to watch, and this is another example of them finding a way to bobble it. I find, as a fan, that's the season ticket holder, too. Mm -hmm. It's just... I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't know what calls what anymore. I don't know what constitutes a penalty. And from what I saw watching that game, I didn't think that that was uh, a, a hit on, on Claros that should have been called as a penalty. So I w agreed with that. And the fact that they say it's close to the point where he's saying it's very, very close, but not really, and you can see why it's not <laughs> a call, then why are we talking about it? And then the other one, the holding... I, th I think the rationale in, in his interview or, or the statement he made was that whoever was watching it was blocked for like a split second and yeah. couldn't see that it was actually a, a good uh, block by the, the O-lineman or something like that to that effect. And then you just go, okay, where are we going with this? Okay, a point to what each you said. First of all, and the fact that he said, oh, the official was blocked from seeing it, that means he's talked to the official. And the official, Eddie's probably said to the, I mean, I think I'm pretty safe reading into it this way. He said to the official, are you sure you saw the whole play? And the guy probably said, you know what, Glenn, no, but I, what, I did, what I did see was a hold. So to me, you throw the flag. Yeah. And Kevin, you're exactly right, counting the number of frames. That's the beauty of instant yeah. replay. That's also the problem. You slow, it's like some of the pass interference calls where the guy's coming over the guy's, the defender's coming over the receiver's back and you see a hand brush his jersey three frames, which is how many frames per second? 30, 30 on TV? Yeah. 30 per So a tenth second, of a yeah. second before the yeah. ball got there, and then it was like, well, technically that's pass interference. we got to call it. Yeah. So, but I, I, I didn't want to make this an entire video replay chat because we could do an eight-hour show on that, mm -hmm. but, but I just, and I, I, I try not to be the guy that just jumps all over X league whenever something happens with the officiating, but I'm just like, why throw these guys under the bus no, for what they, you're admitting were difficult calls? Yeah, it's a, it was a bad move, I think, by the league. Maybe they should have announced it uh, next March during CFL week in Regina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not only do they bring up the officials that were on the field, they the guy that's doing the video review in the war room in Toronto is, is all of a sudden implicated in this by his name. Like, to, when you brought it up today read to say hey we should probably talk about this i was like what did what, like like kevin just said a this was like three four days ago and b what the heck are they talking about didn't they get it right when they reviewed it well to your point kevin why does this take three days four to what day is it today three four days, days after the game yeah, yeah uh so how afraid are they of yeah. kent austin i mean clearly you'd think someone in hamilton is well saying this, this had to have been addressed even at a how, how could this not even been addressed at a post-game news conference? So you're telling me that no one even talked about this? Kent Austin didn't say, I think we got kind of yeah. hosed on a couple of calls here at the end. Was there ever any mention of that? Nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, if the league is going to make a statement, the appropriate statement was there were dozens of close calls in both playoff yeah. games on the weekend, including two on a pivotal game between Hamilton and Edmonton. We employ our officials to make judgment calls in these close situations. As always, we'll keep reviewing things so calls are consistent. Fair enough.
On to some new, so that's my next job. Some new my business. Next, my next job is as the <laughs> vice president of football with oh, the CFL. Really? Not even the commission. You won't even go up to that, or what? no? Can I get free oh, tickets. I'm willing to work my job? way up a little oh, bit. Okay, yeah. pay your dues. <laughs> Curious from Global Gazola from Oilers TV. Wilkins, 6.30, Chet Inside Sports. The quiz for Carius is up oh, next. Oh, no. <laughs> this year, 6.30, Chad Santa's Anonymous will make Christmas dreams come true for more than 25,000 less fortunate kids. You can drop off a new toy at any shopping center, Costco, Toys R Us, or Canadian Tire, or at Santa's Warehouse, the Jerry Forbes Center, at 121-22-68th Street. By request, what is this, Tom Gazzola? This is uh, this is hot and fresh off the presses, KK, <laughs> as they used to say. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Hawkins is the name of the band. It's uh, Thomas Darcy and Hawksley Workman collaborating. Oh. The song is "That's the Way I Walk." It's uh, it's an EP. It just came out. Uh, well, it technically, it hasn't come out, but they released the first two singles uh, on single cassette single <laughs> on cassette about single five things AKA that i never under I've never heard or understood in my life check Ooh, it out great. though it's yeah. a great uh, great little ep and i'm glad you shared it with everyone tonight oh, reed right. thank you very much that's great all right we got the uh, quiz for carious <laughs> coming up so last week you did the quiz and you threw something out from 2010 2011 around there when yeah. they were doing well and then they went in the toilet after that named the 20 guys on the Oilers roster so i got about 10 of them yeah, you did great. And, but then you kind of helped me along you threw a number out at me and uh uh yesterday uh, a guy was doing some drywall taping at my house and he had heard last week and he said i cannot believe that you said when Reed Wilkins said, okay, number 89, that you said Mike Comrie. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, yeah, what a stab in the back. You know, I was like, jeez. Oh, Two years man. earlier, he was wearing 91. Wow. You just kind of think back, and it was a lot of pressure. Reed, you put a lot of pressure on me with the quiz. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. I quite enjoy it. And oh, I, would yeah. enjoy, I would equally enjoy being quizzed. Okay. So I encourage you to bring something in in the future if you like. Uh, there are two of you today, so there's five questions. First one to get three right wins. There's no prize. Is there a buzzer here or uh, something? No, you just, you just jump in. You just yell out your answer. Well, don't yell because it'll wreck people's speakers, but okay. you know what I mean. Uh, the theme is great moments in Canadian sports. Okay. All right. How far are you going back? Forever. I hope you go back. Yeah, uh, back a long way. The, the, the... Give the old guy a chance here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll definitely have a chance. <laughs> They, they, there's a pretty, they, nothing goes back past, nothing is before 1970. Fair enough? Okay. And it's a pretty even distribution between then and now, I think. Okay. So we just chime in. You just, just chime in with your answer. All right. Who did Mike Weir beat in a playoff to win the 2003 Masters? Mark O'Meara. No. Damn. Um... Oh, I know it. I know. You oh, did. I gave this David to Dave Duvall? Campbell. No, I know it. It wasn't a big name, Tom. Oh, it wasn't a big name. No. Oh, I got this right. It's the, the only time, time you ever heard of this guy. Yeah. Oh, because I remember, you know, it's funny. Craig McTavish did a great interview after saying this was one of the best moments in Canadian yeah, sport because well, the Oilers played uh, that night or that afternoon. Oh. I can't remember. It uh, starts with an S. No. No. C. It's got a C in it. <laughs> uh, do you want to just give? Do you want to just join his initials? Yeah. L M. Oh, uh, Len Matisse. Yes. Oh, I remember that. Half point for Kevin. All right. Who assisted on Paul Henderson's game-winning goal in Game Eight of the Night? Phil Esposito. Correct. 
Got the only assist on it. Tom, you were not born. Nor was I, but I was close to being <laughs> like, born. I think like the Roadrunner should have gotten an assist on that play too, maybe. I check I, I you know what? Morley and Dave and I were yeah. talking about that and we I checked I found a couple box scores yeah. and it, they only listed it, Esposito. Right, so. but I think he deserved one. Yeah, I think he shot it around yeah. initially. Well maybe I, they get, the way they give him out now, he probably had about the, the way they gave him out in the Soviet Union. Like they were they now. were given two Canadians <laughs> an assist. I'm, I'm surprised they even marked Henderson's name on the score sheet. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. This is this is a good one. I think you'll like this one, though. Who's the only Canadian to win gold in Olympic cycling? Clara Hughes. No. Kurt Hartnett? Do you want to, it's a woman. Do you want another guess? Edmonton oh, Connection. Uh, uh, Lorianne Munzer. Half point for Kevin. Oh, man. He's chipping away. Okay, th- uh, <laughs> this might be, I, I think this is the easiest one of all of them. Okay. Which Canadian won National League MVP in 1997? Larry Walker. Yeah. Who Larry said Walker. it first? Oh, yeah, I'll give it to Kevin. Sure. All right, Kevin's Bonus already clinched question. the victory. His name's in the... In now, the this place. one, now, you know, you... Okay, here's the thing with this last one. Because Kevin's clinched the victory, I would usually say Kevin. Okay, just let Tom answer points. it. Except this no. is totally... This is, I don't this, this, points. this is such... This is so down Kevin's okay. wheelhouse here, down the, right down the middle of the strike zone. What Canadian rushed for over 1,300 yards with the New Orleans Saints in 1986? Ruben Mays. Ruben Mays, from where? North Battle for There you go! <laughs> oh, the battle fords. <laughs> the battle fords. As we were always told to <laughs> yes, say them. Don't say battle, say battle like, ford. I know, and I, I'm guilty of saying the battle fords. Well, Kevin carries. Well done, Kevin. Oh, wins. Where's the, the prize? Mop the floor <laughs> with me. You get to come back next Wednesday. Right, I'm that's, going home. See you later. Prize. That's the prize. 4 nothing. Washington leading the Penguins. Oil Kings game is underway. No score against the Regina Pats. They're really good this year. Raptors up, oh no, now trailing at halftime, 66-53 to the Golden State Warriors. Flames play the Coyotes a little bit later later on. Your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. We'll talk a little uh, Eskimos playoff prognostication when we get back. We'll talk about the Oilers scoring drought. All coming up inside sports on 630 Check. This is Connor McDavid. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Benoit Pouliot. Jordan Everly here. This is Mark Letestu. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers. Help bring Christmas to thousands of kids. Please support 630 Ched, Santa's Anonymous. So, Tom, had you heard of Ruben Mays? Yes. Yes, I had. And I want to ask you something. Did Kevin request that song? Come on. (laughs) Oh, no. That's a great track. It is, actually. Yeah. Um, It's probably my favorite Corey Hart song. One of the few I could name. A friend of mine. There's a quiz. Corey Hart songs. Uh, I got Sunglasses of the Night, Never Surrender, and uh, Boy in the Box. That's the only three I can remember. A friend of mine does a tremendous Corey Hart impersonation. What about his remake of that Elvis song? Did he remake That's, an Elvis song? Yeah, I think he did. Geez, did he do it diligently? No. He didn't do anything <laughs> diligently. <laughs> diligently. Uh, I remember when I was uh, working at Blockbuster Video, Corey Hart... <laughs> came to sign his new CD, but it wasn't at the store I worked at, oh. and I was working at the time, so I didn't get to go meet him. Oh, must have been heartbreaking What would you for say you? to him? It really was. It broke. It was Corey heartbreaking. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't say anything to him. I'd just be like, boy, Corey, thanks for signing my CD. That, that'd be the extent. Thanks for listening, Reed. Who is your favorite musical artist, Kevin? Growing up, or like currently, or right yeah, now? Yeah, both. Or what? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of the older school, like so? Johnny Cash and oh. all that stuff, and old... 
gospel jazz guys that you've never heard before, like Charlie Parker and things well, like that. I've heard of Charlie Parker. Okay, well, probably the only jazz Tommy, guy. Tommy G's. I've never heard of him. Heard. Okay, so all the older stuff, uh, you know, Miles Davis and all that kind of stuff. So how did you? Here's a, growing up in a in small town Saskatchewan. How did you get into that? I never got into that till I was probably came to uh, went to Calgary when I was about twenty some years old. Uh, that's when I got into the jazz. But before that, it was more country stuff, like the older guys and like uh, Mike Reed. We're talking right. about a few weeks ago. Uh, Keith Whitley. If you ever get your hand on Keith Whitley, Kentucky Bluebird, that's that's a beauty right there. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be married to Lori Morgan, Keith Whitley. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, flashbacks of Lloyd Minster oh, yeah. in that one sentence that you just Keith said. Whitley. Yeah, and then how you followed that up with him being a real beauty. Oh, he was solid. The real beauty Passed right away. there. Well, he, oh, yeah. Was it uh, was it Yanni Ninema that was into the death metal? Yeah, he was into the massive stuff. In fact, when we had the world's longest hockey game, uh, I guess 2015. Now he came back and played in it because he was, you know, good friends with Brent Sake. And holy, those guys when they would get in the room, they played some just awful stuff. That <laughs> I mean. You, you had to have like cotton batting in your ears, and they would just blast it because Saker just got all the new uh, setup for the audio system in there, and those two guys would just, oh. And then even on the ice, they'd play it. You couldn't hear a thing. <laughs> they it did, it yeah. didn't violate Guinness's oh, rules. I don't you were know. allowed to have music played. Boy, those two guys love that stuff, though. <laughs> Uh, it's too hard for me. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Carius from Global Television, Tom Gazzola from Oilers TV in studio. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat at 736. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Guys, uh, the Eskimos back at practice today. You know, it appears uh, Riley's looking pretty good. It'll, I mean, it'll be a story throughout the week, but I don't think it's going to be a, uh, a minute by... I mean, I'm sure some fans, I'm sure him and his wife have a camera, one of the baby cams mm-hmm. for the baby. I'm sure some fans would like a Riley cam <laughs> just on him all the time. Making sure, don't lift anything too heavy, Mike! But uh, he, he, I, I think I, I think he's going to be good to go. Going into Ottawa here, um, I, I mean, here's the thing that worries me to start off with. I think one of Ottawa's strengths is their receiving core, and I think Edmonton's weakness is is the secondary. So that's that's what concerns me the most for the Eskimos going in. Well, you know, I first off with Riley, everyone's kind of seems to say it's his wrist and everything. I think it's a lot more with his shoulder. If you watch his uh, follow through when he throws the ball, his left shoulder kind of gets tucked in a little bit more than normal. Um, that's kind of one thing I noticed just watching the video from practice today. Uh, the other thing, too, I mean, this is the guy, everyone knows he's tough as nails, so, I mean, he'll gut it through. So I have no worries that he's not going to play. Uh, how effective he will be, I think we'll have a lot to say with the running game as usual. But I think you're bang on with that comment about the Ottawa receivers are really, really good. And if you looked at last year when they had those uh, with the guys over 1,000 yards, but the Eskimo secondary... They did a pretty good job, and I know there's a lot of new faces. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of schemes and what kind of coverage that they come up with to defend what Ottawa throws at them. Uh, that's where the game is won and lost in my mind. I just think this is going to be another, what did they lose by one point, one game in Ottawa, and then when it was here they lost at the by start three, of the year. Yeah, and they lost by eight in the overtime game. Yep. Right, right. So it's going to be a, na- a nail-biter again. Mm-hmm. Um, no Chris Williams, correct? Um I liked what the Eskimos... I was freaking out in the second half because I think that the second-half leads have been an Achilles heel for the team all season. So watching that game last week, that worried me. But 
Um, I know these franchises dislike each other for, from what we've seen <laughs> in the last year. It's been uh, absolutely fun to watch and to, to see the back and forth. Um, I, my gut tells me it's the Eskimos because I'm a big fan, but I, I really do like their... I know D'Anthony Batiste was talking about that playoff pedigree that they have and the veterans coming through and being clutch and all that, and I truly believe that they still have that. And uh, if they want to go and prove everyone wrong, this is the perfect opportunity to and to be the first to, to win it out east. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's Kevin saying that it might be his, like you think it could be his shoulder is uh, to me as scary as a fan. Yeah. Because if it was his arm and his wrist, and I know how he was playing with his uh, his wrist after he got hit. I was like, he can, he's fine. That's a non-throwing arm. He'll be okay. Look at him playing with his, his gear. Mike Riley was playing with his sh- uh, shoulder pads and stuff. But uh, if it's more than that, that kind of scares me. So Having said that, you know what? The way uh, James Franklin can come in and do the job, I think the Eskimos are pretty confident in that. So uh, if Riley isn't able to perform at... Uh, uh, well, he won't be 100%. No one really is. But if he cannot uh, do the job, I don't think they're that concerned about putting Franklin in. How about John White right now, though? I mean, well, and if the you're not going to throw it, John White seems to be... Yeah, I mean, and they, I mean, but, uh, John White is the, probably the best all-purpose back in the league. I yeah. mean, when you look at the blocking that he can pr- do and, and as well as with the receiving, so uh, that's their, that's kind of like their ace in the hole as well, but uh, I still get back to read what you're talking about with the the, the Eskimo secondary against uh, Ottawa's uh, very potent uh, receivers. They got some really good ones. And guys, have you ever seen a team who Tom referenced it? Their biggest weakness is a double-digit second-half lead. The situation you're supposed to want to be in—that's what Eskimos fans start to get nervous. And I don't know why that is. I mean, and, well, you can't. That's hard to explain. He should be just so confident about closing out a game but I mean the CFL is weird in the sense that when you get in that position the other teams are so desperate yep. and all they do is they chuck the ball and they and then you, you the defense it seems you go in that prevent defense pull back and then next thing you know you got three completions of 15 yards and they've moved the ball 50 on you and you don't even know what's happening it's only taken 45 seconds but that that's a CFL that that happens all the time it just shouldn't be happening to the Eskimos as much as it's been happening yeah and last year it was all about the comeback wins, right? I don't know. Maybe it's a thing where they're not perfectly comfortable maintaining the lead and keeping the, the pedal to the metal type thing. And they might tell you otherwise, but it could be a, a subconscious thing collectively where they just, with the lead, they're, they're not sure how to finish the job. I don't know. I'm just, that's me speculating, but watching them very closely for the last couple of years and, and last year watching them make all those come from behind victories. Um, maybe that's a new situation going in at half uh, ahead, and they just haven't adjusted completely. We'll have it for you 9.30 Sunday morning. The pregame show will start from Ottawa, the Eskimos at the Red Blacks. It's going to be kickoff at 11 right here on 6.30 Chet. Reed Wilkins in studio with Tom Gazzola and Kevin Curious. It is 7.42. Quick timeout. Back to talk a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers, who remain tied for first in their division, but the puck ain't finding the net. Serving Edmonton and making Christmas dreams come true for more than 60 years. We are 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous.
I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports at 7.45 in studio with Tom Gazzola from Oilers TV and Kevin Carius from Global Television. How long have you been doing that, uh, that little internet uh, reporting there, Tommy? Oh, man. That little website stuff. On that little website? Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> year seven with Oilers TV. And then I can't believe this is my 10th year being around slash covering the team. So that many, eh? I was 14 when I started. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, finishing up ninth grade. So do you do you know how to, like, do you actually put stuff on the website yourself? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually somewhat, <laughs> like, capable of it. Yeah. Like, when I took this job, Kevin, I came from the other television station in yeah. town. Um, I mean, I know there's four of them, but uh, the other ones, I think we all know. Uh, but I wasn't editing things. And when I took this job, they're like, all right, well, you're going to have to learn how to edit because there's only three of you in this department. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't, all right, I'll learn. So I relearned how to edit, and it's very basic still. I have not improved that much in the seven years editing my own pieces. <laughs> um, but I can. I am capable of creating the video and posting it to the Internet, and then someone else takes it from there and, and puts it in all the proper places. Oh, no, I cut it, and I, I publish it. But like, Oh, okay, so, but they, someone else has to someone else ask file me, it. Uh, ask it me how to put it on a page, and I just right. stare at you blankly because uh, I don't know how that works, and it's beyond me. How would you compare your production facilities at Roger's Place to what you had at Rexall? Well, you know, uh, the broom closet that we had in the back of the Roger's Media Center was pretty quaint and cute and... Uh, it always drew a crowd and was fun to be around, but it got sweaty in there, especially when there was like six or seven of, of us in there. Uh, but the room that we have now on the, the southwest corner, when people come and knock on the window, they can see us right beside the big control room is, is uh, about 100 times better. So there's no complaints. We're very, very happy, happy group uh, at Oilers TV slash EmptonOilers.com. And the new facility has been tremendous. And I know it's been a work in progress, but uh, yeah. You know, from our point of view, we've loved it. I'd like to take you back to the olden days, Tommy G, where we're in uh, and uh, teach you how to edit uh, three quarter inch to three quarter inch. <laughs> hey, when I went from <laughs> Lloyd to Edmonton, we went back. I went from digital cards to tape. To tape, yeah. Now uh, that station in particular is is on digital cards, but I was like, "What is this?" They're like, "Yeah, you have to record from the satellite. Got to connect this to this." <laughs> I'm sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. What Was the three-quarter inch, Kevin, because I, I never used that format by the time I started. So you were beta then. You I was beta. beta. Was, yeah. there a, was there a separate tape deck the shooter had to carry with the I've camera? I've seen both. I've seen the cameras back in the day when I started in Yorkton. They had them in the in the deck three-quarter. Beta was just coming in, but we all had, we still had, we still edited on the three-quarter because that's where all, what all the machines were. Did you edit? I did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did. I edited everything. You want to edit my stuff for now? Sure. Yeah. Did it, open I, offer? Did the late night weather and news as well? I had to do. Sorry, this was too. where in Yorkton. <laughs> you did all three. Did all the three. news, sports, and weather? News, sports, oh. and weather at night. Uh, and actually, I took over for Perry Salkowski, who came to ITV at that time. Yeah. Quick story, he did one of the, the best things uh, ever that in Yorkton TV history because he was the news, weather, and sports guy as well. 
so when he got the job at ITV, on his way out the door, he was still doing the late night news, weather and sports, came on the air, he said, hi, I'm Perry Salkowski. No news is good news. We're back with sports right after the break. <laughs> oh, that was his last yeah. one in your oh, team. Yeah, well, and then did, did about a 20-minute sports cast. And <laughs> so was awesome. that, okay, so in Yorkton, was that a full newscast or was that blown, an ins- yeah. it wasn't an insert into oh, Regina no. at that point we had a full station did. it was two stations it was twin sticks CI, yeah. CICC which was CTV and CKOS which was CBC so it was called a twin stick Pin- Prince Albert had the other twin stick at that time so you were hosting it you were anchoring everything anchoring but you, were, everything. you weren't shooting all your own stuff sir no at that point uh, we didn't have video journalists at that time uh, so I didn't shoot anything okay yeah. We were a twin stick in Lloyd. You were in Lloyd too, right? Yeah, Lloyd still is. Lloyd still is, yeah. I don't don't know exactly how they do it. But yeah, when I was there, the six o'clock news, so one was CTV, one was CBC, so it was all the programming. But then from six to, when I was there, from six to seven, the same news was on both channels. Mm -hmm. It's like the old joke from the uh, 1980s. Some comedian said he went to the Soviet Union and they had two channels. And the first station was the all the, the government propaganda, and then the second station was a guy telling you to turn back to the first station. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we changed it when your time ended there. It was 5 to 6 with Courtney Terrio from uh, Dinner TV, yeah. and then you got 6 to 6.30 with yours truly, Carly oh, wow. Agro from Sportsnet, and uh, Grayson Knutson also from that other station in town. <laughs> well, I'm going back to Lloydminster next Thursday. I'm Say hi to Stacey Coleman. I'm, I'm speaking at a banquet. Wow. Yeah. Bobcats? Uh, I think it's the midget Bobcats. Nice. Yeah, the AAA midget team. You've made it. Wow. I was like, don't you want somebody that people <laughs> care about? And they were like, no, we're good. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, the Oilers play the LA Kings tomorrow night. It'll be on this very station. By the way, uh, Rogie Vashon will be on the face-off oh, show with me tomorrow. Recently inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, so that'll be fun. Uh, look, guys. Nine seven and one overall to me as a record for the Oilers is kind of average. I I I said they'd win thirty eight games, which is kind of average. I know the journey for them getting there has set fans really excited and and now really upset. I, I think the goals are going to come because I do think they're they're around the net and they have some guys who whose rate of production should should increase. But, uh, uh, again, it's been going on long enough. Maybe uh, I start to worry a little bit about the offensive consistency. I, I don't think I'm that concerned about it. It's going to come. They have too much talent. But what I think is different about the Oilers after their quick start is that the opposition went, oh, just a second here. We've got a team here. we got to give it 100%. We've got to get up for this game. We can't take these guys lightly. For the last five, six, seven, how many years, I think a lot of the opposition's gone in and said, uh, okay, here's the schedule. Okay, the Oilers, if we if we can go about 80%, we've got a pretty good chance to win. That's changed now because of Connor McDavid. It's changed because of the start. Mm-hmm. And I think the opposition saying we can't take these guys as lightly as we have and you can say all you want that doesn't happen in the NHL well it does it's just the way the schedule it's too long people look at this at the the players look and go uh this is we got to be on top of our game for this we got to be that whatever so I think that's what you're seeing that you're getting a better game from the opposition opposition than you did in years past with the Oilers. I think realistically, too, you knew the wall would come at some point, that they would hit it, and you just didn't know how hard. And at 7-1-1, one, and one, we were walking around, going into onto that long road trip, and everyone's talking about the Oilers and how good they are. And 
uh, we would say, yeah, yeah, but you know what? They eked out a couple of close ones against some good teams. Um, maybe there was a couple that they shouldn't have won. Uh, they could have been, you know, five and three instead of seven, one and one. Or um, and then reality set in. I think I, I think the loss in Toronto hurt because that's one they probably thought that they should have mm-hmm. won. Uh, one that they, th- I don't know if they thought they could roll into at eighty percent, but uh, they, they had all the swagger going into that one. Um, you knew the Rangers game would be a tough one. I mean, we've seen the Rangers all year long, just the juggernaut right now. I'd like to watch them play against the Habs. Um, and then, so when they drop a couple in a row there, and then they won a couple in a row there, you thought, okay, maybe they're off the schneid. But uh, losing, they've lost a lot of guys, too. People forget. We were talking about the Stars and how many guys they lost to injury when they came into town. Well, we forget that the Oilers were still first in man games lost to injury at that point. And I think losing That's Chris not Russell key, hurt. Guys, not, not, not as key, key. And, I mean, and True. Andrew Ference counts towards that number. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay, yeah, of you course. Know. But yeah. I mean, Russell. To me, Russell's the guy. Yeah. That's the most significant injury, and, and I know he has his detractors. But it, my argument is, you know, five hundred and some games, he does the same job every night. It doesn't have to be a spectacular job, but the teammates can look at him in the locker room and be like, okay, I know what that guy's going to do. And I, I think that's where his absence has hurt them. And Davidson, too. So you think yeah. you have a pairing right there. But having said that, you know, Matt Benning's played very, very well for what you thought that you would get. You probably didn't think you'd see him all year. Right. And he's really impressed me as a as a young guy that's just kind of feeling his way out, not doing anything stupid. And Sekra's helped him out a lot, too. But, I mean, he's he looks, he's looked just fine when he's been out there. I think they're going to break out one of these two. I mean, I thought they might break out last mm-hmm. night against the Ducks. The yeah. Kings are not the and and, I, and again, I, I'm not. I, I I don't phrase it this way to say like, oh, hey, the others are going to win. But the, the Kings are not the Kings of two, three, four years ago. And you, I told you they were coming on, and they were. And then they, since last time we talked, I think they haven't won a game. <laughs> well, it's San Jose was coming on, and then yeah. they get shut out by Carolina, which is they they haven't been doing too much this year. So the Pacific is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great division. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there for the taking, and that includes the Oilers. They're yeah. an average team tied for first right now. Yeah. Like it's it's not it's not a great division. So I think that'll keep them hanging around a little bit longer. Uh, what time are you on tonight, Kevin? Eleven bells. You got Eleven twenty. What do you, who do you got? Who well, you we'll got? have uh, we'll have Oil Kings highlights from oh, right tonight. On. I mean, you got Regina Pats, number one team in the country, and of course, update Mike Riley and. Uh, Little, you know what? Sports Central, 25th anniversary today. So, nice. big, you know, congrats to everyone that does all, all the great job there. I mean, that's a, that's quite remarkable. 25 years, 125, 135,000 kids they've helped. Yeah, it's that's incredible. Amazing. They yeah. do great stuff. Mark Spector's been heavily Absolutely. involved in them. Yeah. And I know the story we were running today was uh, they're affected by the, the, the team moving because uh, they don't the get, the, they, yeah. they get yeah. as much yeah. parking revenue. but. People are going to step up oh, yeah. and help them for sure. Yeah. The Oil Kings are ahead one nothing on the Regina Pats. That is after one four nothing Capitals leading the Penguins. That's in the third. Flames and Coyotes coming up, and the Raptors down eighty seven seventy five to the Warriors. That's late in the third quarter. Uh, injured guys in the NHL. If you missed it today, Stamkos indefinitely. Kopitar not likely to go against the Oilers. Goudreau surgery on a fractured finger. Taylor Hall knee surgery out three to four weeks. And uh, Max Scherzer wins the NL Cy Young. Rick Porcello wins the AL Cy Young. Oh, Verlander never won. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, can't believe it. We should interview Kate. Sorry, Kate Upton. My goodness. Get her on. If you get her on, I'll come in for a special appearance. Oh, that'd be good. I'm sure there'll be a lineup for that. (laughs) 
That's Kevin Carius from Global. Tom Gazzola from Oilers TV also here. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Happy birthday, Dad. There you go. I hope he's better be listening. Oh, he's five, not. Uh, maybe. Five nothing now for the Capitals. They just scored again. Uh, also, thanks to DeAnthony Batiste for joining us tonight. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer, Matthew Panaschik. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from six to seven. My guests will be NHL on Rogers analyst Kelly Rudy and Jay Onrick from Fox Sports One. We'll have the face-off show at seven. That'll include an appearance by Rogi Vashon, recently inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and the uh, play-by-play for the Oilers and the Kings starts at 8.30. Thank you so much for listening. Charles Adler tonight is up next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.